Today, Stuart Briscoe is here with a message about what Jesus did to champion the underprivileged. We'll hear more from him in just a moment. In their new five-message series, Fighting Unseen Forces, Stuart and Jill show you straight from God's Word how you can stand strong against your spiritual enemy and live victoriously in Christ. We'll send you a copy of this resource as our thanks for your support today to help others experience the life of abundance God wants them to have in Jesus. But Friday is the final day of this offer. So call today to request your copy of Fighting Unseen Forces, 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. Now here's Stuart with his message, Jesus Champion the Underprivileged. We live in a world where all kinds of things are constantly happening around us and very often to us. Because of the things that happen to us, we are required to respond or to react. And very, very often, if we have not prepared ourselves to respond or react, we may find that we have nothing but impulse and instinct to fall back on. If we react impulsively or instinctively to certain things, it is quite possible that we will behave in a way that we are not pleased about on reflection. It may be that we simply exacerbate the problem. Accordingly, people of careful thought and wisdom try to build a system of ethics or morals into their lives so that they would have a built-in reaction. So that when the things happen, they are not simply instinctively or impulsively reacting, but they're responding in principle. Over this period of time, we've been looking into Luke's gospel with a view to asking the question, well, what did Jesus do in order that we might make application in our own lives? Today, we come to Luke chapter 7, in which we have a fascinating story. And I'd like to read it to you, commencing with verse 36. Luke chapter 7 and verse 36. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him, and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. That's incidentally a euphemism for a prostitute. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss of welcome, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. 
Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to her, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Now, if the question is, what did Jesus do? I think the answer is rather straightforward. Jesus insisted on looking positively and graciously on social outcasts, much to the dismay of the social elite. It was not that he had favorites. It was not that he deified the poor who could do nothing wrong and vilified the wealthy who could do nothing right. He simply found that the underprivileged and the undesirables are often more receptive to his message than the self-sufficient. And that, of course, is the situation today. It is not uncommon to find that those who are most conscious of their need are most ready to be helped. And those, understandably, who are least conscious of their need are most reluctant to acknowledge that they need help or be willing to receive it. So we look into this story and see how Jesus championed the undesirables and how Jesus championed the underprivileged. The situation was this, that the Pharisees were becoming increasingly troubled by what Jesus was doing. We'll, we'll see why in just a moment. Some of them decided that they would have him over for a meal and really examine him at close quarters. On one particular occasion, he went to a Pharisee's house, reclined at table. And on this particular occasion, this woman, who has a reputation as a prostitute, comes into the place where they're dining. She falls down at the feet of Jesus, because that's what she comes to first. He's reclining away from her. She sobs uncontrollably. The tears run onto his feet. She's embarrassed. She unbraids her hair, wipes the tears with her hair, and then pours very precious and very expensive ointment on his feet. At this particular juncture, Simon, the, the Pharisee, thinks to himself certain things about Jesus, and Jesus answered him. It's very interesting to notice that Luke, in his account, says that Simon thought within himself, and Jesus answered. He doesn't need us to say anything. He knows what's going on, and he then tells a story. And the story that he tells is of two men who owe a moneylender a different amount. One owes a lot, one owes a little. The moneylender cancels the debt, forgives them both, and Jesus asks the question, okay, now who's going to be most grateful? The one who's forgiven a lot, the one who's forgiven a little. Simon reluctantly says, I guess the one who's forgiven a lot, and then Jesus turns the story on him, and he says exactly. And the way that this woman is behaving that you don't like is an expression of the fact of gratitude for sins forgiven, something you know nothing about. And so Jesus now champions the cause of this woman who understands her need, who has discovered an answer to her need, and out of a full heart is expressing her gratitude. This story reminds me of an incident that took place in my life a number of years ago. I was preaching in Belfast, Ireland. And at the end of the service, as is customary over there, I was standing at the back of the church shaking hands with people as they left. And the very last person to come out was the tiniest, wizened little old lady you ever saw in your life. She looked about 110. 
She was very vocal and verbose. She spoke without taking a breath and she punctuated her remarks by poking me in the ribs with her umbrella. She was evidently dissatisfied with their pastor. And she told me in no certain terms that she thought I ought to become their pastor. And I said, well, you have one. She said, he's no good. I said, I'm sure he's a very good pastor. No, she said, he's no good. And she said, we need to get rid of him. I said, you can't do that. She said, if you'll come, I'll get rid of him. And I said, no, you, you can't do this sort of thing. Poke, poke, poke with her umbrella. If we're going to understand this story properly, we need to see it, however, in its context. Immediately prior to accounting this story, Luke, in his gospel, tells us about John the Baptist. And let me remind you about John the Baptist. He was a cousin of Jesus, and he was the forerunner of Jesus. He had been prophesied by the Old Testament prophets that he would come and he would be the forerunner of Messiah. Well, one day John the Baptist was preaching. He was a prophet. He was actually born of priestly stock which would have meant that he would normally have gone into the order of priests and served in the temple. He decided, however, he was called to be a prophet. And instead of being in the temple, in priestly garb, going about priestly activities, he dressed wildly and went into the wilderness and was a fiery, hairy prophet. And he would preach to the people as they were going up to the temple and he would expose the corruption of the temple and he would expose the the corruption of the country and he would tell them about a holy, righteous and just God who demanded men and women to live according to his law and he would call on the people to repent and he would challenge them to change their ways. Well, so ardent was he in this ministry that he even took on King Herod. And he confronted Herod and told him that his lifestyle was totally out of order. And you could tell Herod was not impressed. He threw John in prison. And John is languishing in prison. And while he's there, he's having second thoughts. You're listening to Telling the Truth with Stuart and Joel Briscoe. And it's Stuart who's been bringing you his insights today. You'll hear more from him in just a moment. You can't always see it raging around you, but every day you're locked in a battle that threatens your spiritual, emotional, and relational well-being. Spiritual warfare is very real, and you can't afford to sit this fight out. Your spiritual enemy will stop at nothing to keep you from experiencing the abundant and impactful life you're called to in Christ. But you can stand strong in Jesus and the power of His Spirit. And Stuart and Jill want to show you how, straight from God's Word, by sending you their new five-message series, Fighting Unseen Forces. We'll send you this encouraging series as thanks for your gift to help people around the world hear the message of Jesus through broadcasts like this one today. But this offer only lasts until Friday. So act now. Knowing your gift of support helps Telling the Truth carry the message of God's love to people across the globe so they can experience life in Christ. Don't miss out on this resource. Call now to request your copy of Fighting Unseen Forces when you give. 1-800-889-5388. That's 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online at tellingthetruth.org. Also, we want to let you know that after February 2nd, Telling the Truth will be moving off your local station. 
but you can still find the teaching you love from Stuart and Jill Briscoe at tellingthetruth.org, on the Telling the Truth app, or at oneplace.com. We trust you will connect with us there for 24-7 access to the Briscoe's great teaching. Listen in now to hear more from Stuart, who is talking to you today about what Jesus did to champion the underprivileged. His second thoughts are, you know, I went out there and I went out on a limb and I told people that my cousin Jesus was actually Messiah. But now I'm beginning to wonder if he really is. When John was preaching, the kind of thing that he would say to people was this, you generation of vipers. (laughs) That is not designed to get people to come back for a second dose. If the preacher is tempted to tell the people that they're like a brood of vipers, they may listen to it once, but they say, who needs that? We're not going to listen to that guy hammering on that stuff again. But that was John's style, and that was what he told them, and it was necessary for him to do it. But when Jesus came, his ministry was very, very different. He would reach out to these people, and he would begin to tell them about the fact that the kingdom of God was... You see, when John was talking about the generation of vipers, he was pointing out everything that was wrong with them and everything that was wrong with the culture and everything that was wrong with the nation. And Jesus was coming in and saying, hey guys, listen, I have come to introduce the kingdom. John could see the glass half empty. Jesus could see the glass half full. John had a ministry that was fundamentally negative and necessary. Jesus has a ministry that is building on the negative and is fundamentally positive. John is telling people what's wrong. Jesus is telling them how to put it right. And so John is sitting there in his prison cell and he's thinking, did I make a mistake? I mean, he isn't saying what I would say. He isn't taking it the way I would do it. There was another problem for John. John majored on conviction of sin. Jesus majored on forgiveness of sin. John majored on conviction of sin. Jesus majored on forgiveness of sin. Now listen, you can't have your sins forgiven until you forsake them. You won't forsake them until you've confessed them. There's no way you're going to confess them until you're convicted of them. So this is how it works. Conviction of sin, confession of sin, repentance of sin, forsaking sin, forgiveness of sin. Now John is preaching sin, conviction of sin. He is preaching the need to repent of sin and the need to forsake sin. That's the end of the message. Jesus builds on that and now he says to them, listen, the great good news is this. You are sinners. Something needs to be done about your sin. But I have come to deal with it. And I have come in order that you might know forgiveness of sins. John comes and says you're a sinner. And he's right. John comes and says you need to repent of your sin. He's right. You need to be convicted of your sin. You need to turn from your sin. You need to confess your sin. And Jesus comes and says, and when you do that, I'll take it and I will forgive it 
and cancel out your indebtedness and you will go free. John preaches that God is holy and righteous and just. And Jesus says he's right. God is holy and righteous and just. And he is also loving and gracious and merciful. And here's the whole story. A holy, righteous, just God who is appalled at your sin, loves you to distraction, will be merciful towards you and graciously extend you forgiveness. The problem for many of us very often is this, that when we look at certain situations, we're pretty good at law. We have a problem with grace. That was the Pharisee's problem. If John the Baptist had second thoughts, the Pharisee had some secret thoughts. This is what he's thinking. This woman has come in, this prostitute has come into my house. She's gone up to one of my guests. She is blubbering all over his feet. She's unbraiding her hair in public, which is anathema in our culture. She is wiping his feet with with her hair. And then she's taking this precious ointment and she's pouring it all over his feet. And incredibly, he's letting her. If he was really a prophet, if he was really the prophet he claims to be, He would know what kind of woman she is and he wouldn't let her within 10 feet of him. Either either he doesn't know who she is which proves he's not a prophet or what's worse, he does know who he is and he has no sense of decency at all. For if he is the man that he claims to be, there is no way that he have anything to do with this woman. Jesus sees a prostitute And he loves her as he loves himself. And Simon the Pharisee is sitting there ticking off, checking off all the rules and regulations. What he's saying is this. If Jesus was really a prophet, he would know who that woman is. And if he does know who she is, just look at the rules he's breaking. You see the difference here? Why did Jesus go to the dinner? Jesus went to the dinner... Because he wanted to reach out to somebody who thought he was too good to need to be saved. And at the same time to reach out to somebody who thought she was so bad she couldn't be saved. The great and glorious message of Jesus is this. That he comes representing the holy, righteous, just, loving, merciful, gracious God. And he said, if you think you're too good to need to be saved... Humble yourself. Admit how far short of God's glory you come. Repent, confess, and turn from your arrogance. And at the same time, he turns to the girl in the gutter and he says, you do the same thing and turn from your lostness. And it doesn't matter if you think you're too good to need it or too bad to warrant it. I've got a message of forgiveness for all of you. And that's what Jesus did. The question is, what would Jesus do today. What would Jesus do today? Let me suggest to you four things very quickly. Number one, he would move among people and show that he is credible. Number two, he would move among people and show that they are all reachable. Number three, he would insist that everybody is culpable, that is guilty. And number four, he would demonstrate that everybody is potentially redeemable. If that is true, if that is what Jesus would do today, 
then what is he looking to his disciples to do? And the answer is to show that they are credible witnesses of Christ. To do it in such a way that they will honestly, genuinely show people their guilt and their need for for forgiveness. And do it in such a way that men and women in every stratum of life might understand that they are loved and redeemable by Christ. That's what Jesus would do. And that's what he's calling us to do. You've just been listening to Stuart Briscoe. He's part of the teaching team that makes up Telling the Truth. Between the pressures of paying bills, taking care of your family, and keeping up with a chaotic calendar, it's easy to feel outnumbered and overmatched. And those are just the visible challenges you face each day. The unseen forces of evil can make life seem even more overwhelming, threatening your spiritual, emotional, and relational well-being. But you're not without help and hope. And in their new five-message series, Fighting Unseen Forces, Stuart and Joel Briscoe show you how you can live victoriously, knowing that with Christ and His Spirit, you're never alone. And through this Friday only, this new series is our thanks for your gift of support to help more people experience life through the resources and teaching of Telling the Truth. Generous friends like you keep broadcasts like this one today going, even reaching people in places that are closed to the gospel. So if you haven't given before, now is a great time to jump in and help keep God's word going out around the world to you and many others. And remember to request your copy of Fighting Unseen Forces when you call now and give. Again, this offer ends on Friday. So call now, 1-800-889-5388. 1-800-889-5388. Or you can give online when you visit tellingthetruth.org. Here are some answers from Stuart to a couple of questions about his message today. Stuart, can you tell us one powerful way to reach out to the underprivileged and to offer the fullness of life in Jesus? I think it's the same way as we reach out to any kind of people. And that is, first of all, we make a conscious effort to establish presence among the people that we are concerned about. If we do not establish a presence, in other words, if we do not get to know them so that they can get to know us, it's unlikely that we're going to get very, very far in having a ministry to them. So presence is the first thing. The second thing is we have to uh, establish some degree of credibility from them because who are we, total strangers, to walk into their lives and make all kinds of suggestions that are foreign to them? Why in the world should they listen to us? And the answer is uh, the the only reason they should listen to us in the long term. I mean, they they can listen to us because we give them a handout or something, uh, but as soon as the handouts dry up, they won't be listening anymore. What I'm talking about is we need to we need to establish a presence and then we need to develop credibility in their midst. And then we can begin to speak into their lives with acts of love and kindness and words of truth. What's been your experience when you've reached out to someone who felt they were socially out of reach? There are all kinds of reasons that people feel socially out of touch with other people, and it works both ways. I've been in situations where I have been in, in contact with people 
and I thought to myself, they will never show the slightest interest in the Christian gospel. And it's quite conceivable that those people at the same time were saying, this guy, why in the world would he be interested in me? There's absolutely no reason why he should be interested in me. And there's, and, and I'm thinking there's absolutely no reason why, why this person would be interested in what I have to say. Well, uh, how are we going to find out uh, what the truth of the matter is? And the answer is we're going to have to establish a presence among them. We're going to work hard to gain credibility with them. And then as they get to know us, as they get to understand who we are, they will begin to see the reality of what we believe and hopefully we'll be able to communicate to them. But there's no shortcut here. We're too interested in shortcuts to be effective quite frequently. Thanks for your time, Stuart. Before we go, we want to remind you that this month, when you give to support Telling the Truth broadcasts like this one, we'll send you Stuart and Joel Briscoe's five-message series, Fighting Unseen Forces. This powerful new series will help you stand strong in Christ and in the power of His Spirit against the enemy, so you can live victoriously each day. This offer ends soon, so don't delay. Please request your series when you call 1-800-889-5388. 1-800-889-5388, or you can give online when you visit tellingthetruth.org. And just a reminder that after February 2nd, Telling the Truth will be moving off your local station, but you can still find the teaching you love from Stuart and Joel Briscoe at tellingthetruth.org, on the Telling the Truth app, or at oneplace.com. We trust you'll connect with us there for 24-7 access to the Briscoe's Great Teaching. We're so glad you've joined us today. Don't miss more biblical teaching from the Briscoes when you tune in next time for Telling the Truth.